everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement, while another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. To get the Crime Writers on After Show right now, go to patreon.com slash partners in crime media. I'm Rebecca Lavoie, and this is Crime Writers On. Crime Writers On is the original true crime review podcast that digs into true crime, pop culture, other podcasts. And on this episode, a woman is stunned to learn that her anti-vax father and brother died after ignoring the COVID they contracted. She goes on a surprising journey to come to terms with her family history. We'll discuss the podcast, We Were Three. Joining me to get that done and more is true crime author, TV journalist, and host of the These Are Their Stories podcast, my husband and love of my life, Kevin Flynn. Hello, Kevin. Hello, Rebecca. Also with us is private investigator, certified pet detective, resident cat lady, and author of the Water Street Bookstore bestseller, The Final Curtain, Laura Bricker. Hello, Laura. Hello, Rebecca. And finally, our resident Doubting Thomas, the author of the City Trilogy of Novels, host of the Strange Arrivals podcast, and our very own Patreon Deep Dive Book Club podcast host, Toby Ball. Hello, Toby. Hello, Rebecca. Oh, so Kevin, um, is it Halloween? We say it's happy? Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Did we remember oh. to get our candy? Oh, we, sure. Did we? Yeah, we didn't do the thing we always do, which is buy it. Two months early because we think oh, it's a good deal and we should get it now. Oh, we should. And we just open it and eat it for a month. Oh, we should. I always, we buy 10 bags, we give away eight pieces of candy, and then we eat the yeah. 10 bags. Like, let's just do, why, why didn't we do that? Because that was not smart. Why isn't it smart? Candy's delicious. Yeah. I know I look pretty good here from the nipples up, <laughs> but these zoom, you should see me from the nipples down. Babe. I do not. Babe, you looked like this when I met you. I loved you then. I love you now. Keep eating the Snickers. Mm, all right. Mm. You love them. It's, I love them. It's fine. I think, I think I'm think i so concerned that kids will have tampered candy that I'm just going to save them by consuming it all myself. <laughs> That's probably wise. By the way, speaking of uh, tampered products, can I tell you what we're talking about next week? Yes. Sure. It's the it's the Tylenol murders. Oh, great! Is the podcast we're going to be talking about? That's a podcast. It is. Yes. That's going to be interesting. I look forward to that. Okay. Um, well, Kevin, I really want to get into the meat of this week's episode because it's a heavy one, and I think we have a lot to talk about. So I'm just going to go ahead and drop that clip right now. Is that okay with you? We drop that first clip. You don't need my permission. All right. This isn't the patriarchy. All right. Leading off. I can forgive you for not taking Dad to the hospital. I can find forgiveness somewhere in me but i swear to you if you don't go to the er 
right now. I will not forgive you when you die. Rachel McKibbins didn't even know her father and brother were sick with COVID until it was too late. She grappled with how the two people she loved the most turned unrecognizable because of pandemic misinformation. Where I'm from, that particular street I came up on, we will clown you for how you died. Because you're a fucking clown. Like, you played yourself, homie. But her search for answers only renewed questions about her family history, a life filled with both fear and love that she and her brother experienced. Were the deaths a result of contemporary forces? Or was this a personal tragedy set in motion years earlier? The one parent she had left, who was supposed to be taking care of her, could decide on a dime to hurt her instead and blame her for pain she didn't even understand. Family included those truths as a baseline for Rachel. And then there was the rest of it, because family never means just one thing. The podcast, We Were Three, from Serial Productions, is an intimate look at one family's ending that was both sudden and years in the making. Host Nancy Updike zooms in on one story about what the pandemic took away and what it revealed. Spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about significant plot points from We Were Three. So if you want to remain spoiler free, go to the estimated time code in our show notes to hear our thumbs up or thumbs down reviews. All right. So, Toby, this isn't exactly what we expect from the serial brand, right? Or from like even for that matter, like a New York Times journalism feature. I guess it could be considered a New York Times journalism feature. What do you think of just like this, the story arc and the and the the premise of this podcast as a podcast? It's very different than anything else we've covered on this show before. Yeah, well, it's, it doesn't really have much to do with true crime. And it also, I mean, I think what is serial one story told in many parts or something. And there's not even really that many parts. It's just three parts. It's weird that it's under the serial brand, to be quite honest. That was like the first kind of weird thing. I also, I don't know. I, I didn't really connect with this podcast all that much, to be honest. And maybe we'll talk about it and you guys can enlighten me. But I had a hard time. Sort of the premise is that the roots of this father and son's demise and, and sort of vaccine resistance comes from their prior lives. You know, I just had a hard time making that connection. It seemed as though it was too separate stories about the same group of people. So it didn't seem quite as cohesive. I don't know. It seems like a strange one to fall under the serial umbrella. And then I, I just, it didn't seem very like a cohesive whole to me. Well, I think it's just, that's the production house, Toby. It's not like a inspired serial derivative kind of story. It's their group that put it together. And, you know, S town doesn't really kind of fit with that kind of serial model either, but they have very talented people. I think that it, it sounds more like something that would come from this American life. Nancy Eptike was a founder of this which American is, life. Yeah. yeah, which is the granddaddy of uh, serial productions and sort of this style, this um, first person, kind of slow paced, generally thoughtful kind of storytelling. I think this is a pretty good think piece. I hope it's not supposed to be like the definitive look at how the pandemic affects interpersonal relationships or something like that. It is more of a microcosm of our times. It's less about COVID specifically and more about those relationships, about the way that 
when we are all put into this stressful situation, what happens and the things that we already bring to that moment. And I, th- I think it's much more about the facade that these kids grew up holding uh, and that it finally comes down when something like this happens. Laura, I want you to read the first note in your bullet point of notes because I don't want to reiterate it for you. Okay. Um, so I wrote, oh my God, this could be my life. Eerily similar to the relationship I have with some family members who won't get vaxxed. But I also really related to the childhood part. So for me, like listening to this, I was like, there was so many parallels to my own life that it was it was very eerie in a way, uh, you know, the childhood with the brother and sister who were in it together. One stayed, one left. That was me. Um, this like semi estrangement where you talk to them once in a while, but not really. And then COVID hits and they become paranoid about the vaccine. So I really related to that. And I think that for me allowed me to sort of step away from some of the issues with regard, like what Toby was talking about, which I totally agree with, which is, yeah, the first episode was very strong. And the other two, like, I was like, is this supposed to be just sort of a snapshot of, of how the pandemic has sort of split families apart and sort of a case study into that? Because I, I know I'm not the only one that's had family members that have had differing views about the vaccine and COVID and politics or whatever. But listening to this, I was like, oh, well, you know, this is an extreme case where they both ended up dying. But I know a lot of families, like think about those first Thanksgivings back in person when you, and, and like, we're not allowed to talk about this with this side of the family or that side and, and, and everything that happened. So yeah, it was just listening to this. I could relate to quite a bit of even staying with an abusive parent when you know it's not the right decision because you don't want to be split up and you know the alternative might be worse. So for me, that part really resonated. And I think, you know, it was it was really interesting having that window into Rachel's family. But also, I wish we had known a little bit more about Rachel and her professional life, because if you Google her, she's a pretty accomplished poet. And that is why this podcast was made was because she has a following on Twitter and tweeted out about her father dying and how she didn't even though he was sick. So did you guys, I mean, did I space out? They, they, they alluded yeah, to it. Yeah, you missed that. Well, no, yeah, no. Yeah, but when they talked about her as a bar owner, they mentioned she was a poet and a playwright in passing. They, they didn't talk no, about her. They kept her, reading her poetry. Yes. Including it, at the end. They no, didn't I talk th- about her success though. They yeah, didn't. but if well, you like right. Google her, you're like, wow, like she was much more successful than I was. Agreed. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised. I was like, oh, wow. She's like I agree up with on the you. Poetry Foundation website. I actually agree with you. They actually talk about her as a person and a bar owner and a mom of yes. five kids and whatever. They don't talk about her and her place in sort of like the literary, the modern literary canon at all. I, I agree with you. We don't talk about why we're doing this story at all on the show. No. Can we divide this discussion a little bit? Because I, I'd like to talk about the story after we talk about like the podcast a little bit. I have questions about the structure of the podcast and about what isn't in the podcast, which I know is a difficult thing to talk about, like what isn't here. I, on the one hand, found myself refreshed by a story about vaccine deniers and COVID that had no political content, right? But on the other hand, the complete absence of political content 
felt like a glaring omission from this podcast. There's a reason why this family had mistrust of the medical system. However, (laughs) there's also a reason why this family was influenced that is hinted at when they talk about Fauci's poison, like there was a deliberate editorial choice to cut that out that made me feel uncomfortable because it was like, we want to tell this story in such an intimate way that we're going to just like push that aside. And Rachel's obviously very angry about them. And and I I really like the focus on the, on the story. We're going to talk about that again, but I did feel like there was stuff left on the cutting room floor for the sake of the story. If that makes sense, Toby, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And I kind of wondered about that too. And I think once you do that, I think you, you stop telling kind of a universal story, right? I think, you know, if it had just been about the vaccine stuff, maybe they could have done that. But I think if you're drawing those kind of political lines in the first episode, and then the next two episodes are really about family dynamics that maybe they feel like they don't want to put people in camps about the family members based on political orientation or, or whatever. Like I can see, I, I can see that be an editorial decision. It's like, we don't want all the conservatives on this side and then finding out that this is the way this guy is right. It, it's sort of, you know, a negative association with the political outlook. I, I, I don't, I mean, that's just my guess. But isn't that, isn't that belying the point? Is that like, these are human beings who also were influenced by politics? Like both things can be true. Yeah. But as a creator, you know, as, as the people who are creating this, I think their concern would be, we don't want to set up this political situation within this family yeah, and then suddenly reveal that one side of this family is physically and mentally abusing the other side. Like that seems like it's right. like you're putting the finger on the scale a little bit, even though it's true. Yeah. I just, I just felt like it was a glaring, I mean, it was right there and it was a glaring omission only because, and I'm, I'm not going to belabor it much longer, only because you can love somebody who disagrees with you completely. And that that was just not acknowledged. I just felt like it was right there and they just didn't want to touch it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, like we, Yeah, we, you know, it's funny because this reminds me of your criticism of the Improvement Association, which was also from Serial Productions. I remember that you wanted them to draw a big red line and say, this is racist. Yes. But the politics in this, you don't need to state the obvious. I think Toby's got it right. It might take away from the universality of the story. It really isn't about... Here are two people and then one of them had red hats and bullshit like that. It's more about there was a complicated dynamic that all these sort of things led to this situation. And in the very end, the thing that Rachel says is like, is she mad at the brother for letting the father die? And it's more like, no, I'm more mad at my father for creating that man. Yeah. And that is a complicated story. Yeah. And it's not like anything we've heard before. And so I think that is where they want to go. Rachel doesn't blame Peter for talking her father into his COVID beliefs. No, I'm mad at my dad for creating a person who could talk him into that. I mean, it's Frankenstein's monster. It's as Mary Shelley as you're going to get. There are plenty of places and times if you want to make a political statement. Believe me, I know better than most that you want, I want to yell at these people, but that's not 
you know, for, for three episodes. I'm not saying I wanted to make a political statement. The lack of acknowledgement yeah. to me was glaring. Uh, okay. But the Improvement Association's issue for me wasn't that they, I wanted to say it was racist. I didn't want them to question whether or not it was racist, which they did. I, and I'm, by the way, I'm not saying I don't like the podcast. I'm not saying that at all. I just felt like it was a, an interesting question, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Everything is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right, so Kevin, here we are in the business section. It's business section time. What have we got coming up on our Patreon, Kevin? Well, if you join us at patreon.com slash partners in crime media, you can get the CWO after show, leave it to Bricker, married with podcast, and Toby Ball's deep dive book club podcast. Also, if you want to know more about what's happening in the world of Crime Writers On, we encourage you to sign up for our free newsletter. Go to CrimeWritersOn.com, put in your email address, and every Thursday, you're going to get a free email from us. It's got uh, all sorts of great stuff. Got a little message from the Crime Writers, some CWO behind the scenes. Uh, we talk about our reviews. You get Cat of the Week and other cool stuff. Uh, you can get some merch. And, you know, we also like, salute our Patreon patron saints of the week. All sorts of good stuff. It's, it's free. And we promise we will only sell your emails to aluminum siding salesman. Yes, it's like the it's like our diary. It's like seeing our diary. It's like so personal. Yeah. People love our newsletter. They love it. Yeah, you know who's telling us all about it? Who? Uh, Kimberly from Date with Dateline. Yes, she's like, I read the newsletter, I know. Yeah, in oh. fact, we were just talking to her because she is our guest on this Wednesday's... Uh, <laughs> these are their stories. Yeah, these are their stories. So that is an episode we're doing. It's the SVU episode with... What's his name? Uh, Tom Sizemore. Yes. Where he comes back and he says, he didn't I kill didn't that kill kid. I didn't kill that kid. I put yeah. my hands in that kid's neck. Where then, where, where did you put his your hands? Yeah. Did Benson coerce that confession? Yes. Is it the creepy auxiliary cop who actually did it? Did Benson use the read technique? She did. Did Barbara just tell her to sit her ass down? He did. Yes, Daddy. <laughs> also, want to look like, at Toby. Toby's like, "What the fuck are you guys um, he's talking like, I'm about?" I'm so glad I've never watched SVU or been on Tats. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we want to invite you uh, again 
to our These Are Their Stories live show in Concord, New Hampshire. It's at the Bank of New Hampshire stage. Even if you don't come, we know you're thoroughly impressed. It's going to be a live taping. It's going to be so fun. It's on November 11th. It's cheap. It's like 10 bucks. Not 10 I bucks. can't 25 wait. Bucks. It's 25 bucks. It's so cheap. Laura, when you come, will you buy a t-shirt? Because yeah, I'm going to rent a van and all me and my friends are going to come in the van with t-shirts. Mm-hmm. What? You're gonna oh, oh yeah, that's great because I st- because I stand to lose a whole lot of money on t-shirts okay. alone. Oh Jesus, yeah. we can give away those t-shirts. It's fine. Well, that's one of the ways you can lose them a lot of money. It's giving just them giving away. shit away. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we could raffle them off and like this is the business section, Rebecca, not oh, the uh, failed the business section. section. Oh, okay. Jesus. Uh, we already paid for him and we've already lost the money. We already lost the money. <laughs> that is true. Easy come, easy go. You know, the only time I've ever seen any of our merch in the wild was a These Are Their Stories t shirt at the uh, when I was at the local market basket. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, really? I was going to go up and ask if I could take a picture. Yeah. But they, they did not seem very friendly. Oh. As I approached them, so I backed off. They just didn't know who you were. Well, we saw a I Enjoyed a Feud Among Subcultures t-shirt at Obsessed Fest, and we decided which merch we're going to do in the future when we go to festivals. Oh, what are we going to lose oh. uh, money on because next? Because we actually saw a bunch of people. I saw like three or four people wearing the Crime Raiders on Pride t-shirts, mm. oh, yeah. which, by the way, are fucking adorable. We got to get some of those made the next time we go somewhere. Those are great. Yeah, if you go to, actually, if you want to go to crime.threadless.com, that's where our merch store is, and we have a whole bunch of different designs. You pick the design, you pick the color you want, and you can get it on t-shirts, sweatshirts, Bath mats, notebooks, notebooks. Can I get a shower curtain? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You can get a shower curtain. Oh my god! They have shower curtains, crime writers on. You can, uh, you can stuff. get an I enjoyed a feud among subculture shower. Can I get an? You, you know what I want? I want an apron. Can we add an apron to the merch list? Uh, I don't think they have those. Except to throw uh, But they do apron. have. They do have shoes. That have okay. rage walking stuff on us. They have rage walking shoes. Wow. Ooh. Okay. All right, Kevin, before we end the business section, do we have <laughs> any like, Patreon oh, okay. patron saints of the week this week? <laughs> I like, by the way, my favorite design is the bobbleheads design. The pop I love pop the bobbleheads. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My yeah. favorite. It looks cute on a tote bag. It looks cute on fucking everything. Look, All right, Kevin. It'll look great on a bath mat. Yeah. That would be a great <laughs> shower curtain. I'm going to put that on my shower curtain. That okay. would be a fantastic shower curtain. You could look at Toby's head every time you get out of the shower. It's oh, perfect. All right, Kevin. Do we have any Patreon patron saints of the week this week? Our Patreon patron saints are Eleanor Buchanan and Amy Joyner Buchanan. Wow. No relation. Bless you. Bless you, no relation, guys. Thank you for everyone who supports us on Patreon. And for all of you who don't, bless you anyway. And for everyone for muscling through this business section and for listening to our stupid podcast. Kevin Flynn, I'm going to go ahead and fade that music out. Let's do it. Right now. All right, let's just talk a little bit about the story here, because I think that actually is the important part of this podcast. So Rachel Lara Bricker, I love a huge thing about Rachel, which is that she like you, is not afraid to tell her story and call fucking truth to power even when her entire family does not want her to. Mm -hmm. That is the kind of woman that I can get behind in a serious way. How about you? Oh, absolutely. And I think it started as I'm thinking, is this a podcast about COVID? But this is actually a podcast that is about Rachel's journey into her family dynamic and her dysfunctional, abusive childhood her relationship with her brother and her father, her father's girlfriend, who, by the way, was like one of my favorite characters in this. 
I mean, as I was saying before, I can relate to this. It's like, you know, they don't talk, they do talk, they don't talk, they do talk. But then there's a lot of things that people don't know, even though they're in the family. So like when she finally has to go back out and like pack up this house because now both her father and brother are dead and she, you know, she gets together with Sandy, her father's longtime girlfriend, who was mentioned at one point. And Sandy, even though, you know, she was no longer involved in the family, sheds a lot of light onto how things got to the way that they did. And for Rachel, I'm thinking, you know, this for her is going to give her a sense of closure in that she's not going to be wondering what happened. She's able to go out and dig into her own family's situation to kind of make sense of it. And Sandy, you know, that was, I thought, really interesting when she was talking about how originally it was the brother who was more conspiracy theory and the father wanted to get his vaccine. But he was going to let the immunocompromised go first. And then he didn't want the brother to get upset. And so Sandy, even though she's like, you know, they they mock her, uh, the brother and the father, and they they, whatever, but she's still there for the father talking to him as this is happening. So I related to Rachel in, you know, so many ways, but just the way that she was talking about her childhood and her family. And then as an adult, her desire to figure out what the hell was going on with her family and how they ended up dead and how they ended up the way they did and what was really going on. So I I thought that was really interesting. He was a lot better when he wasn't drinking. Oh, yeah. yeah. But even... Even then, yeah, he had a temper. You just didn't know. And he said his dad used to beat the shit out of all the five boys. And I'm just glad that we're alive, lady. So, Kevin, a huge part of this is figuring out what happened between... Rachel's childhood and her father and her brother's death. Yeah. What happened in between her father's death and Peter's death? What happened in all the in-betweens? That is sort of the theme of this podcast. Mm-hmm. What happened in between Rachel being born and Rachel's high school? There's a lot of just in-between stuff. And you really point out uh, in episode one, a huge character that emerges, Rachel and Peter's cousin. He is a very, very important figure in the actual is what, all the, the text message in stream. The what yeah. happened. And Rachel's discovery that while she's having one conversation with her brother, thinking she's saving his life, her cousin is having another conversation with her brother that is actually killing her brother. Peter texts the cousin an hour later saying, Rachel said, if they want to put you on remdesivir, ask them to pair it with Illumiant. It's a game changer. No response from the cousin. The cousin, two and a half hours later. Fuck that. Do not take remdesivir. 54% chance it'll shut down your kidneys. Reading those text messages, I think the cousin is way more responsible for the both of them being dead. And I don't blame him for not wanting to go on the podcast when uh, Nancy Updike reaches out. It's almost like Peter has two angels on his shoulder. He's got the angel, the good angel, and then the, you know, the devil on the other shoulder and he's you know talking to one and that's Rachel and she's telling him all the good stuff you know she's being the angel telling him the truth and then over on the other shoulder the devil is the cousin who's telling him no no it's you don't want to do that you you know all you need is a uh, Gatorade and just this this crazy stuff it became really frustrating and that was enlightening but again it's just really just the prologue to where they're going to go and that like this incident in her family 
causes Rachel to re-examine her past. And so in a way, I don't want to say COVID's the MacGuffin, but it does get stuff moving as far as how this story gets told. It's because of this, they finally have to confront who they are, or she has to confront who they are and how their choices have affected her all her life. Right. And of course, this is the episode where politics aren't mentioned, but the backstory about Toby, the family's distrust of the medical system and other reasons for vaccine denialism and all that stuff are explored. And that's done well. I mean, the fact that you're taking anything else propaganda-ish out of it, you know, they do their damnedest to give you potential other reasons why this family might have ended up where it ended up, right? Yeah, it's a little bit like Bundyville when they talk about Cleveland Bundy and like how they were downrange from like atomic testing or whatever. So they, they had a reason to distrust what the government was saying. Yeah, again, I, I, I kind of feel like they give those guys about as much of the benefit of the doubt as I could handle, given just how bad the decisions they were making were going back to what Kevin was saying about the deaths and the COVID stuff, giving her a chance to kind of, you know, reassess or whatever. See that, that was the piece I didn't feel like really got, I didn't see that connection. I kind of felt like it just, it was a reason for her to tell her story, but I didn't get the feeling that she had really reassessed anything. I thought she was just kind of telling things. I mean, I think she gets a little bit, from when she goes and sees Sandy that she might not have known, but it just seemed like a lot of that stuff is, you know, that she talks about the wine and roses incident or whatever. And it's clearly something that's been on her mind. You know, it's not something that she's like, Oh my God, now I'm just remembering this. No, like this is a major, a major thing. So I'm not, I mean, that's not a criticism of, of, of your point. I, it's a criticism of the podcast. And then I, again, I kind of felt like, like what do these two parts have to do with each other? I mean, I think each of the parts had its strong points, but as sort of one leading to the other, like I didn't even really see, I mean, maybe I've missed it, but I, I couldn't tell what about her upbringing would lead her to feel one way about this stuff and her brother and father to feel another way. Those dots were not connected for me. It just seemed like there was a f- whole lot of trauma mostly caused by her father. And I thought the the dynamic, the abuser and abused dynamic is really shown in all its complexity really, really well. And she's obviously, I mean, she's a poet. She's very smart. She's very good being able to describe these things. And that I think was the strength of it. For the life of me, I couldn't quite piece together how these two different sections work together, which made it seem like a weird podcast. Wasn't it supposed to be because he's angry because she's able to express herself and he isn't? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the whole thing. Like they reference the poem that she wrote, which is called, I forget who I said it to, but I remember how afterwards they looked at me as though I had driven a steak knife through their mother's hand, which is almost as long as the poem, which reads, I love my brother. He had the exact same childhood as I did, but he doesn't get credit for it. He isn't the writer. I'm the star of the violence. I expose my Peter. When he marries, I will be so sad. No girl in the world deserves him but me. Rachel talks about in the podcast the fact that she 
chose with the wine and roses incident in that moment to say out loud what the fuck is happening in their family. The brother who was not the favorite, who was not as smart, let's just be real, because he wasn't, who did not seek help for all of his issues, um, who did not do all the things he was supposed to do, was stifled in many, many ways. And that his way of expressing himself ended up being through all of these, this negativity and all of this anger and all of this denialism. This is where my issue with this podcast comes in because this is the opportunity to connect that rage with what the forces that are happening in the world. And they did not do that in this podcast. And I do believe there's a connection there that they chose not to make editorially that I think is actually very important, if that makes sense. Yeah, you know, one of the things that I thought when you're listening to the first episode and you're learning about Pete Sr., you find out that it's complicated and they have a tumultuous relationship. And then you hear about like all sort of the good like dad things that he did. He fought for them and, you know, what, you know, did what he could to get custody, et cetera, et cetera. And then you think, OK, how does this, you know, circle back to covid? And you think, well, we're going to find out all about his tinfoil hats and that he, you know, he got into QAnon or something like that. And I did not expect how she slipped right into, well, he beat us. And then the child abuse and then the drinking and, and all that. we lied about it. And we lied about it, right? And so that was like, oh, I did not expect that is where this was going. And it is a somewhat common tale in many people's lives. But I certainly didn't put those two things together. Again, I call this a think piece. And it's just sort of a meditation on this one family. And so I, I said, wow, this was this was really something. And... The Days of Wine and Roses story, I just thought it was heartbreaking. I don't think it's really fair for me to be given this award because we are only given three months to prepare for our roles and rehearse. And my peers, you know, they had like 90 days, but I had 17 years to prepare for this role. And when I... This was your acceptance speech? Mm -hmm. And that's it. And I walked off. Laura, I have a question for you, because I wondered if you were sort of one of the same things that I did. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't want to say I didn't like this podcast because there are so many parts of it that are so beautiful. But I still also had so many questions and there were so many moments that I felt were so rushed. And like there's a bunch of details here, but we're just not going to tell you about them and just say it real quick. Rachel had a baby in high school, right? There, that's one detail. She also became a mother. That's a sentence. In the podcast that just like, boom, uh, gone. She's fighting with the bank over this house. That's a sentence in the podcast that's just like, boom, gone. There are a lot of things in the podcast like that that I actually think are important that aren't explored and that are potentially like story additives that I almost feel like this team and it's almost like very typical serial storytelling and it's like it's almost like my exploration of the Adnan Syed story of the last few months has sort of led me on this journey of like, what are you leaving on the cutting room floor that maybe we should have known? And maybe that's not great. But I find myself wondering, like, why are we just hearing one sentence about this thing that's not insignificant? If we're going on this tremendously personal journey about this woman's life, why are we getting one sentence about her becoming a mother when she's a senior in high school? When we know, by the way, that she has an abusive father who literally beats her up at a moment's notice. Mm -hmm. What was the fallout of that? 
What's that? You know what I mean? Like Since we were three, not we were four. Yeah. Don't you feel like there were many insignificant moments? We were three episodes, right. Rebecca. But that's <laughs> why. But that's a choice. I mean, didn't you feel like a lot of significant moments just sort of like flew by very quickly in the show? Yes. But I also am thinking they made a conscious choice to make this three episodes. And so in their production and what they put out as a story, I feel like it's like, okay, we have three episodes and here's the story we want to tell. And we're going to mention some of this other stuff and we're going to condense it, but that's not the gist of what they were trying to get at. So, I mean, I'm glad they included it. I guess I was just curious, you know, why it was so short. Like going back to what Toby was saying earlier, like what is the point of this? Is the point of this to do this like real quick microcosm? Like here is what so many families in America are dealing with right now in this pandemic life we're living in where you have families that are like split apart because of their views on vaccines and COVID and they already perhaps had estrangement and they wanted to just do this like snapshot of that in three episodes because if you go longer, then it's more of her story. And I don't know if that's the story that they set out to tell. I think the story they set out to tell was, hey, it's the COVID times. Everybody is dealing with it differently. And here's this woman who didn't even know her dad was sick with COVID. And then her brother died from COVID too. And here's why. And just like food for thought. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like all those other things that you're mentioning are really interesting parts of her story. But I guess I just would like to have a little window into what their sort of intention was in putting this story out there, because that clearly wasn't their intention to tell her whole story and why. But that goes back to what Toby was saying, which is if this is the gist of the three episode podcast, we should have had more of what I call like the nut graph up front, like stating the premise and then supporting that with these other episodes. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Tell me, what did you think of the writing conventions generally? Because I did find that it took deep dives and then light skims, deep dives and then light skims. Did you find that that was a cadence too? Yeah, I also just found like the writing, especially at the beginning, seemed very serial season one-ish. Like there's a thing that Sarah Koenig does where she'll say like an entire sentence and then we'll follow it up with like a sentence fragment that's related to that sentence. And it works really well for her voice. But in this case, I was like, hmm, it seems like the same person is writing the script and now she's got to talk the way Sarah did. Uh, And that kind of seemed like it dropped off as things went on. Either that or I got used to it and I didn't notice it as much. But like usually I'm not too picky about how people are going to talk, what their narrative style is. I mean, there's good writing and bad writing or whatever, but just the way they talk. And this kind of threw me a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I, again, I mean, I think it all comes down to, like Laura was saying, it's like, what what's going on with this? Like, what are we trying to get out of this? In some ways, it seemed to me like it was more like linked short stories than like a novel where you've got maybe the first one is one thing and the, and the second the episodes two and three are another. And it's just like, here are two kind of stories about this family and we're not going to spend a whole lot of time trying to make them absolutely connected. It's just, these are just two things about them. Yeah, I don't know. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney bundle with new movies and series. 
On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. Everything's changing so fast these days, and that's a great thing. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load on our desktop computer. But now, there's the Xfinity 10G network. That means the fastest internet, with faster speeds rolling out every day. And internet that can power a house full of devices at once with ultra-low lag. So, while one person streams a movie from their room, another can play video games in the basement. While another TikToks in the kitchen. It's the next-generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. All right, let's do what we do. Let's let our listeners know. Should they check out We Were Three? It's the new podcast from Serial Productions and the New York Times and hosted by Nancy Updike. Laura Bricker, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for We Were Three? Um, This is a hard one. This is a mild thumbs up. It's probably more like a thumb sideways because... Wait, which is it though? You have to pick. <sighs> okay, I'm going to go mild thumbs up only because I really related to this on a personal level. Uh, Rachel's story mirrored a lot of my own childhood experience. And so to me, that was something that as I listened to, I was really relating to. But, you know, obviously... Serial is behind this. The production is great. The storytelling is great. The writing is great. But when I finished, I definitely did feel a little bit like, what was the overall message here? And I know what I took away from the message, but I'm not sure if that was their intention because it wasn't particularly stated in a way that that was what I left with. It was sort of left to my own interpretation. So, you know, I thought it was really interesting. And I think one thing that people would want to listen to this for is a lot of us have had family members who have had different opinions of things during the pandemic with vaccines and, and COVID and everything. And if you've had that in your own family, you will definitely relate to this podcast and the journey that Rachel goes on. Toby Ball, what do you think? Thumbs up or thumbs down for We Were Three? Yeah, this is, I, you know, I kind of agree with Lauren that this is a tough one, although I think I liked it more than she did. I think there's, there's some parts of this which are, are, are beautiful and very affecting and just like on a like very high level, I thought, compared to other stuff uh, that we've listened to. So there are parts that are just like I give a huge thumbs up to, you know, really my, my, biggest, my, my biggest issue is I don't quite get the whole thing. Like it seems to me there's two parts to it, each of which, especially the first part, I just found fascinating, but I don't get how they sort of relate to each other. And that seems to me to be a fairly big flaw in this. Cause I think that's like, why else would you have these two parts together unless they related to each other, but they don't really make that case in a way that at least I found very convincing 
so you know it's a it's a thumbs up like i i you know i think you can listen to it get a lot out of it but you know as critiquing like a work i just feel like it had i i can't give it that huge thumbs up because i just don't feel it coheres as well as it i think with minimal thought i mean probably maximal thought minimal effort they could have maybe made a more solid conclusion or maybe they just didn't feel that was necessary but for me that was lacking kevin flynn yeah i'm a i'm a big thumbs up i really enjoy this i'm inferring from everybody else's comments that sometimes they prefer stories that are a little more explicit about its conclusions about the themes about things that you think that they should be saying sometimes though i feel like it's okay to just be and put it out there and let you pick it up or not. I don't necessarily think it's always important that this connects to that or whatever, because this is not a true crime story. You'd say this is a human interest story. And so it ought to be human focused and be interesting. I mean, quite literally, I thought this was an interesting uh, look at one family's dynamics. It may fit into something larger, but in and of itself, it is a wonderful telling with a subject who really can tell her story in a compelling way and a really great storyteller as the host who knows how to form that. So I really like it. I'm a thumbs up. Kevin, I don't disagree with you in any aspect of what you just said. But? I don't think that we need lines explicitly drawn for us as to what this is about, what it should be, A to B to C. I'm giving it a thumbs up, but not as big as you, only because I feel like this was edited too much. I do think this is a human interest story that did not need to have lines explicitly drawn. It could be obscure. It could be beautiful. It could be arty. It could just be what it is. However, there is a glaring absence of important details, cultural stuff, mom stuff, money stuff, political stuff, all for the sake of storytelling efficiency. And that really sticks out to me. There are like lines in here that just pass by very quickly that feel very important to Rachel's story to me, especially given the depth we go into in other parts of Rachel's story that are unexplored for the sake of efficiency. And that seems like it's doing a disservice to Rachel's story for me. It feels in that way like the bad side of the This American Life storytelling style. But I did enjoy it. I think it's beautifully done. The the good parts are great. Rachel McKibben is a wonderful, wonderful storyteller. And I I just, I think that the fact that we have her here and the fact that we're highlighting her and her family's story is, is the right way to go. I just wish there were fewer editors in the room and there were fewer cuts made and that it had been longer and that we explored the parts that told the parts that needed to be told so that we had a deeper understanding of them. So thumbs up for me, but with those caveats. All right, now it's time for my favorite part of the podcast, a little something I like to call the crime Crime of of the week. The week. One candidate in New York City is willing to reveal all in his race for Congress. Independent Mike Itkiss is demonstrating his sex-positive platform by releasing his own porn video. Some politicians are ruined by sex tapes, but when it comes to decriminalizing sex work, Itkiss is willing to put his money where his mouth is. And he does. Oh, my God. This video is called 
Bucket List Bonanza and was filmed <gasps> over two days in Los Angeles in 2021. The actress speaks directly to camera to talk about her consent and their agreed upon rules, and then they do everything. On the issues, it kiss supports ending the war in Ukraine and beefing up domestic cybersecurity. <laughs> He's in favor of abortion rights because, as he says, men shouldn't be forced to pay child support. <laughs> I guess that's one way to go. <laughs> but legalizing so sex work appears to be his favorite ahem, position. By the way, his argument about abortion is one that maybe should be a commercial that we haven't seen before. <laughs> Just going to put it out there. Panel, all Mike Itkiss needs is a new campaign slogan. What should Mike Itkiss's campaign slogan be? Laura Bricker, what do you think? Um, I'm going to say, like, sex. We all do it. I admit it. Vote for me. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Laura, Toby Ball, what do you think Mike Itkiss's campaign slogan should be? I think it's politics, three dots, it's hard. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think, Kevin? I got two. I got two. Uh, Mike Itkiss, uh, stick it to the man. (laughs) Nice. And the woman. Ooh. How about this? Mike Itkiss, Itkiss all the way in your What? No, okay. (laughs) Or your bush canoe, I don't know. What? Bone Valley. <laughs> what? Spring and bath, that old chestnut. Do you think he has, do you think he has like a, like a, a, a thing that Somebody says. Somebody out there laughed. I know. They're going to tweet at me. It's like, might it kiss you vote, but like the you is capitalized and the vote is capitalized. Like you porn. Oh. Like, oh. You porn. like but he has the I same logo. I don't know logo. what that is. I'll take your word for it. Like, you know what I mean? Like the unfranchised thing stole that logo from them. Remember that? I don't know mm. the Pornhub logo. Oh, look it up. It's the same as the unfranchised logo. It's actually quite incredible. All right. We should probably end it on that note. Before we go, Laura Bricker, do we have a cat of the week this week? We do. Rebecca, just for you, we have a dog. Yay. That's my favorite animal. It's an adorable little dog and it is from Sarah Furman. Ella, the dog, American bulldog slash mix. Mm. Uh, I got her from the shelter when she was eight months old. I was not looking for a pit mix type dog, nor was I looking for a puppy. I actually wanted an older dog. I feel terrible about those sweet babies left in the shelter as older dogs. So do I, even though I'm not a dog person. But Ella hooked me and I had to have her. She is now almost nine years old and true adventurer and a bully. She's too much of a bully to go to the dog park. Oh, but she's, okay she's a day <laughs> at the daycare. I think it's more about me not being present at daycare, but who knows? We've flown in planes, driven to Maine, experienced hurricanes. She's been a tough old girl. She continues to, oh, to be a tough old girl as she was just diagnosed with cancer. And she the treatment is a chemo pill along with pills. They're on cycle one. So far, nothing is slowing Ella down, except perhaps her disdain for Halloween decorations. Mm. See pictures below. And I sent a nice picture in of her ripping some Halloween decorations apart. Hey, if you want to see that photo, just sign up for our newsletter, crimewritersun.com. Sounds like Ella's a real dick, which means she's going to survive cancer. That's how, like, dickish dogs always survive Mm -hmm. the diseases. It's the Mm -hmm. dogs that, like, aren't dicks that, like, are like, oh. Like, they, they never survived. The dick ones, remember Bridie? Mm. She survived, like, uh, 18 diseases before she Bridie. finally succumbed. Yeah. I remember. Of course I remember Bridie. Yeah. Bridie ate my hand. She had... Oh. She, 
And every bra you own for Remember some reason. Remember she had yeah. Cushing's disease? She ate my fucking hand. Oh, it's just... <laughs> anyway, Laura Bricker, if people want to submit their like dogs or cats or any kind of animal to be dog of the week, of course they can email us at crimewriterson at gmail.com or put them on our Facebook group. But if they want to tweet any kind of animal to you, how can they find you on Twitter? Um, I would like you to tweet your armadillo of the week at Laura Bricker on Twitter. By the way, they can all see your amazing equestrian photos if they go to at Laura Bricker. Uh, Toby Ball, folks want to reach out to you on Twitter. How can they find you? I was going to actually nominate a spider for Cat of the Week this week. Yeah. The spider that ended up in our laundry. Uh, I don't know if he survived the dryer or came in through the dryer vent or whatever, but there was a big one. Oh. Anyway, that story being told at Toby Ball NH. Kevin Flynn, how can folks find you? I'm at Kevin P. Flynn. And if you want to follow me on Twitter or Instagram, you can find me at Reb Lavoy. You can follow the show on Twitter at Crime Writers On, and I encourage you to join our incredible community and our official Crime Writers On Facebook discussion group. We also have a regular old Facebook page, by the way. Just go there and hit join the group. We'll let you in if you're not a dick. Support the show at patreon.com slash partners in crime media. It is the Crime Writers On After Show, Married with Podcast. Laura Bricker's Leave It to Bricker podcast and Toby Ball's Deep Dive Book Club podcasts. Our theme song was composed and performed by Ty Gibbons. Our line editor is the incredibly astute and wonderful Olivia Burdett, who I wish would just come home from Spain already. The executive producer of this fine program is Kevin P. Flynn. This show was recorded in a yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio, otherwise known as Studio C, the closet in our New Hampshire basement, where we also get super shitty advice from our cousins. On behalf of all the crime writers, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you later. later. Well, tonight I had to really rub my horse down to make sure he was dry before I left the barn. That's so. usually the opposite of how it goes, Lara. That's why I was late tonight coming home. You should not rub something to make it dry. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and then I had to help my friend Ann with her horse because oh, wow. he was super wet. Oh, wow. You had to rub that horse to make it dry? <laughs> he My was God. Yeah. yeah, Charlie was. Yeah, his hair did not want to dry. Mm. And they, they'll get sick if you put them out. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. You don't want to mm-hmm. put them out wet. No. <laughs> Ridden hard and put away wet. Yeah, but no. not wet, dry. But not yeah. wet. Not it's wet. actually really hard when their hair is long in the winter, too. I remember that. is changing so fast. I mean, back in my day, we were lucky if we could get one video to load. But now with the Xfinity 10G network, you can power a house full of devices at once with ultra low lag. The future starts now. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary and not guaranteed.